0: Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM.
1: Good evening, listeners. You're on Eastside FM. On the Breaking Waves show, I am Riley. And I'm
0: John Mark, and we're back again with our third episode on the topic
1: of dreaming. Yeah, this episode we're going to be focusing on daydreaming. The wandering of the mind during uh, our wake time. That's right. Um, So I guess uh, to start with, we've got to ask, John, do you daydream?
0: Yeah, I think I daydream most of the time. In fact, I think I spend more time daydreaming than I do... Not daydreaming.
1: <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I echo that sentiment. I, I reckon I do a lot of daydreaming and it comprises, yeah, a lot of um, my, my waking hours for sure. So what kind of things do you daydream about?
0: Sometimes it's uh, dreamlike. Uh, sometimes it's abstract and surreal. Uh, But a lot of my daydreams actually sort of come from a train of thought. And it's usually when I can disconnect from my surroundings, I think, or when I'm doing something that I do easily. I think when I used to drive, I used to daydream a lot when I was driving. And I'm sure people do it all the time when they're working. It seems to be connected to creativity for me. Um, A good example is... When I'm playing my guitar, it's a I go into a dreamlike state and things come to me musically. Um, my f- fingers that sort of move on their own. It's um, it's an interesting place to be making music. It's sort of like a, a resonance that happens inside me. It's not really a a thought based process it's because I'm actually doing something, playing an instrument. Or, yeah, I don't really sing so much, but I play a few instruments. And it kind of flows through me somehow. It's almost like I'm uh, channeling something from somewhere else, which is kind of like what my night
1: dreams are like. Um, it's interesting you mention uh, music because I find that Listening to music for me, like I don't play music, but listening to music can be a very big uh, jumping-off point, a trigger for daydreams. So, uh, whatever music is playing, um, I'll normally have a visual accompaniment to it that I'm imagining. You know, so if it's like a one of those old jazz tunes, I'll be imagining the smoky nightclub, and if it's something that sounds like driving music, I'll be imagining like the truckers or the road trip kind of scene. So I'll have, i have a video clip going on in my head to whatever music is, is playing. And I think my most vivid kinds of daydreams is stuff that is based very much in fantasy of, um, fan- fantastical scenarios like pirates and cowboys and aliens and stuff that's very influenced by, you know, stories and cinema and things that, um, I've, I've absorbed over the years, and so I'll be having very cinematic kind of daydreams where I'll imagine how, like it's a movie, I'll imagine certain angles and certain shots of the way that these scenes will look in my head.
0: Yeah, it happens for me when I'm in a relaxed state most of the time. Sometimes that um, I might be doing something, but I'm not really uh, concentrating on an activity or uh, a job as much as I might be doing something and my thoughts just wander it's a sort of wandering of the mind and I can remember being in school and I'm sure everybody has this had this experience in schools or in other situations in the workplace where you're reprimanded for for daydreaming
1: oh yeah absolutely and um on the uh, playground as well I would in my early school years I was uh, daydreaming more than I was doing anything else. And I know that that was something that was considered socially dysfunctional because I wasn't uh, socialising. So, um, But I definitely was having a good time.
0: And are your daydreams connected to what's going on for you at the time? Or are they um, an escape?
1: Um, I think it's a combination of both. So there'll be certain um fantasies like certain scenarios and certain fictional characters that i've invented in my mind and they'll be playing out um these scenes in my head but then sometimes those sequences will be inflected with influenced by things that are going on so things that are perhaps happening to me at the time will get sort of filtered into these uh scenarios and but obviously uh, tweaked and changed to to fit in with with these fantasies. So it's a yeah, it's a form of escapism that uses uh, reality as a as a jumping off point.
0: Well, here's another thing I do, which is sort of like daydreaming, and that's doodling. And oh, to yeah. me, that's kind of like playing music. You're engaged in the activity, but you're sort of freestyling. <laughs> Mm. Or, or channeling or something. And uh, I produce all kinds of crazy doodles um, when I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. Quite often I'll do them on the phone. For example, I used to doodle a lot when I was on the phone quite a lot when I ran a business. And my pages <laughs> of my diaries are just full of uh, squiggles and um, all kinds of abstract Um, images and uh, it's doodle art (laughs) and uh, if I think of uh, what was that blue poles guy what was his name Pollock right yeah, Jackson Pollock his art was kind of like a crazy uh, alcohol fueled (laughs) doodling that he did and it was very unique and you can pick his his unique form of doodling and it uh, made him quite famous uh, but that's what it looks like to me—is a form of doodling.
1: Mm, mm, you're in the flow. Do you doodle? Ah, uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, when I was younger, I used to. But I, I'm not very good friends with uh, pencils or pens. Um, so we should uh, we should cut to our first song. Um, and we have here a little tune from the Love and Spoonful called Daydream. What a
2: day for a daydream. What a day for a daydreaming boy. And I'm lost in a daydream. Dreamin' about my bundle of joy. And even if time ain't really on my side, it's one of those days for taking a walk outside. I'm blowing the day to take a walk in the sun And follow my face on somebody's new mode long I've been having a sweet dream I've been dreaming since I woke up today It's starring me in my sweet dream Cause she's the one makes me feel this way And even if time is passing me by a lie Couldn't care less about the dues you say I got. Tomorrow I'll pay the dues for dropping my loan. A pie in the face for being a sleepy bulldog. You may pick up your ears Or you may be daydreaming for a thousand years What a day for a daydream Custom made for a daydreaming boy I'm lost in a daydream dreaming about my bundle of joy
0: I think when I was a little kid, I spent most of my time in a state of daydreaming, especially before I went to school and had to pay attention, sort of all day long in a classroom. I used to be able to entertain myself (laughs) for hours, and I spent a lot of time on my own when I was a little kid, but I didn't get lonely because I had this um, imaginary world I could always create, which was usually had something to do with my surroundings or my environment or I used to, you know, I I grew up from about 10 years onwards during the Vietnam War, 9 or 10 I was when my dad went off to Vietnam and I was surrounded by army life and the war machine. So a lot of my daydreams took on those kinds of themes. You know, I used to watch movies and then I'd go off on this, this, my own little, I'd make my own little movie and I'd get under the the table with boxes and chairs and pretend I was in a submarine. And um, I could entertain myself endlessly in that way. How about you, Riley?
1: Most definitely. And as far as stuff that was influencing my imagination at that time, like when I was a young kid, and up until probably uh, year four or something like that, I used to imagine everything in animation because that was mostly what I watched was cartoons, you know, Disney, Looney Tunes, and stuff like that. And so my uh, the way that I would visualise things would often be in that in that animated that classic hand drawn animation style, and I could definitely entertain myself limitlessly with daydreaming and was something that I used to be able to do was that I used to be able to fly and I've talked I've spoken to other people who have said the same thing that when they were really little kids they could just shut their eyes and, you know, push their arms out straight and and experience the sensation of flying and that's something that has definitely was definitely lost as I got to be an older kid. Um, so that's an interesting one because that was very much a strongly felt experience for me
0: yeah television was um, a big influence on my imagination when I was a little kid now I grew up in a a country town and there were only two TV stations and it was black and white (laughs) Uh, up until the the 70s Um,
1: but still it was a very rich source of ideas and environments when uh, when I was in preschool age, I grew up listening to a lot of audio cassette tapes of a lot of the classic stories like The Jungle Book, Alice in Wonderland, Treasure Island, and I think that by listening to that stuff from a very young age, and my parents read to me a lot as well, my dad read me Harry Potter and the Del Toro Quest books, and I think that I have more of a facility for um, enjoying uh, oral storytelling than, than the average person um, when I was in preschool um, I transcribed a pirate story, my parents wrote it out for me and uh, the they played it at the preschool during the time when the kids were having their like resting time but it was uh, so stimulating, the stories that it had to be uh, turned off, it, it was me telling these stories that were recorded, that's a little um, my first uh, storytelling experience is there. Um, so something that people uh, speculate about a lot is the idea that technology uh, can be something that can impact children's imaginations. Because if you look at kids these days, a lot of kids are exposed to uh, iPads and things like that from infancy, really. You see babies playing with iPads and toddlers and preschoolers. And so um, having access to screens from such a young age would definitely impact uh, the way that their mind works and develops. And um, I remember, because I'm eight years older than my little brother, and I can recall uh, when he was a little boy, I tried to get him to watch a superhero film, and he was watching the movie a little bit, but he was much more interested in playing with his toys and making up his own superhero adventures rather than watching the movie. And at first I was wanting him to watch the film, but then I kind of thought, actually, no, it's good that he's using his imagination co- rather than outsourcing it to, uh, to Disney, you know? Uh, so what do you think, John? Do you think that um, tech is uh, perhaps, like, stealing imagination from kids?
0: I didn't have a lot of toys when I was a kid. I kind of made my own toys um, and basically used my imagination. Mm. I think it helped me, you know, I've always liked to build things and uh, pull things apart. And I think that part might have started when I was a little kid because I just used what I had around available.
1: Necessity is the mother of invention. That's what
0: they say. Yes, and as I mentioned before, um, television is one influence, um, but other stuff going on around you. And I guess... um, there's a lot more tech around, a lot more fantastic toys. <laughs> I remember when I was a little kid um, dreaming about a little, a tiny little plane that I could fly around my room, and I created it in my imagination. Of course, I used to hold it and walk around mm. the room. And today, you can buy such a device for $30, which is some
1: kind mm. of magic. <laughs> they break really easily, though, those little... Uh, I remember whenever we'd get one, it would just end up getting crashed like, and ruined in a few minutes, those little uh, remote-control helicopters. Um, they're always more fun in concept than they were in execution from, from memory. Um, yeah, well, I think there's a lot to be said for the necessity to leave kids alone to develop their imagination. And um, another part of that is the fact that... um. In this modern world with all our uh, smartphones and uh, Google calendars and everything, children's playtimes are very scheduled these days. And people, I guess, parents having to work two incomes and everything, it's people are much more time poor. And so a lot of kids, I think, are missing out on that kind of unrestricted playtime. And perhaps this could lead to a kind of neuroticism in adulthood where um, an insufficient amount of uh, daydreaming or time to develop that could lead to sorts of uh, fantastical thinking as, as an adult. What do you reckon, John?
0: Well, I think little kids need guidance and they need protection. And this is um, gets harder and harder, I think, when there are these kind of technologies around where they can access content and all kinds of things. Um, there's such a a wealth of options on an iPhone. It's kind of a dangerous thing to give to a little kid in some ways, unless there's some kind of control over the use of it.
1: Yeah, I I was definitely exposed to. Uh, I grew up before the iToys, but I had um, I was definitely exposed to like uh, content online that was not age appropriate for me. And so there was this big upswing in terms of the uh, maturity of the content that I was watching compared to like the age of eight, from the age of eight onwards. And I do remember feeling kind of robbed at that point of some kind of childhood innocence being bombarded with a lot of the more teenage or adult kind of content online.
0: Probably the only classes at school where I can remember a sort of daydreaming process being encouraged was probably the music Subject I did, where we would att- <laughs> we would attempt very badly most of the time to play pieces of music, but we were encouraged to to dream musically. I guess I can't think of another. Oh, perhaps creative writing. Perhaps in in English, when we had to write stuff, we were, we were encouraged to to use that part of our uh, creative process.
1: I remember um, it stuck in my craw a little bit when I was in primary school we were given a structure of how to write a story and uh, they said that you know all stories need to have introduction of the characters, introduction of a conflict and then they need to end in a resolution and I remember being annoyed as a kid because I wanted to write stories where the problems of the characters were unresolved at the end of the story and that was something that I um, had difficulty getting across at that point. I didn't want to have my imagination put in a box like that. Daydream. I fell asleep and
2: made the flowers for a couple of hours On a beautiful day daydream. I dream of you amid the flowers For a couple of hours Such a beautiful day I dream the flowers, for a couple of hours, on a beautiful day. Daydream, I dream of you amid the flowers, for a couple of hours, such a beautiful day.
1: was Daydream in Blue by iMonster, and it's a cover version of a song called Daydream by the Wallace Collective, which is uh, less electronic, more folky. Uh, So now we're going to get into talking about, more abstractly, where do daydreams come from? John, uh, what do you think about that? Well,
0: I guess I have to think of it in terms of the psyche and the mind and the different levels of consciousness and levels of awareness. I think we are, most of the time when we're awake, we're preoccupied with language-based thinking and, and concepts. And when we lapse into dreaming, it's... It's a kind of, it's a different state and it's it's like nighttime dreaming um, because it seems to flow or it seems to conform to a rhythm that's completely
1: outside of what's going on um,
0: does that make any sense at all?
1: yeah, so it brings to mind um The idea that uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton put forth about um, the idea that uh, you are a broadcast for something else, and um, so... Yeah, your body is
0: kind of like a receiver. Now, Bruce Lipton talked about it on a a cellular basis. He's a, a geneticist, a pioneering geneticist, and has pioneered the field of epigenetics. And that's the idea that the, the genome is not so much a blueprint of what must happen, but more a bag of tools that enables the body to do things that can be activated by environmental situations. So it's not really set in stone uh, the way we used to think of it. And when he talks about the behavior of cells in the body and organs, he describes it in such a way that the cell seems like it's not just a little machine doing things, but it's actually a receiver, and it sort of has antenna on the outside of it, certainly in an electrical sense you could make this case. Um, Yeah, and the idea that we're actually tuned, you're tuned to the channel of Riley, and you're channeling... The Riley Broadcast, the question is, where, where is it coming from? Mm.
1: And by that logic, I suppose that um, the different places that you could go uh, would inform your dreams, the kind of dreams that you would have, the kind of imagination, because you'd be communing with the atmosphere and the history of that place. Like, if you go to Bali and in Indonesia, that's a very spiritual kind of place. You know, they leave all these offerings outside of um, their shops and everything, and they have a more magical cosmology to the way that they engage with reality. So, And being in an environment like that, I find that I do pick up on that, and my thinking is different to how it is just going around a city.
0: It's really interesting the way we can be affected by the people around us, but also the other things that are around us, the environmental things that we don't actually notice can actually somehow seep in, (laughs) seep into our thoughts and experience and also into our dreams perhaps, into our daydreams.
1: And I think that's probably why a lot of authors and artists and so on creatives will want to make an environment, like say it's their studio or something, they want to set it up in a way that's very specific, that's specifically conducive to the kinds of dreams that they're wanting to uh, bring a, bring forth. Um, and you hear those stories of reclusive artists, you know, escaping to the country or something like that to, to get away from all the noise where the dreams can come to them a bit louder uh, without all the distractions one of the most amazing things
0: about humans is our ability to create we've created all kinds of marvelous stuff technology and we do this we, we, we have this creativity I think partly because of our ability to dream to dream of things and to make those dreams a reality and I think each of us have has a different skill set <laughs> perhaps I doodle and make music Where's
1: Riley? I made a number of short films uh, when I was in late primary school, early high school, that I'm very proud of. And the process that we did, the characters came to me first. And then I built the movies around the characters. And we made it up as we went along. And we threw ourselves into it really quickly. And because we were doing it on a no budget scale, and this is obviously very different to people in the, in the movie business where there's a lot more aspects involved. But the way we did it, we found that the less we thought about it and got bogged down in elaborate kind of pre-planning, the more we just threw ourselves into it, the better the outcome was. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital, local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au. So, we'll be back, folks, in six weeks' time. Plenty of dreams to share in the meantime and we want to encourage you guys to don't dismiss your dreams and uh appreciate them and perhaps allow yourself to be inspired by them so we see you soon for some more dreaming adios
2: It's more than just jazz, it's arts, specialist music and the issues that affect our community. Heard right here on 89.7 FM, Eastside Radio.